In Father Teresa's Wine Cellar, we believe all oppression is intersectional. And this means our analysis of current events frequently includes discussion of difficult and explicit content. Any combination of the following topics could be included in our show. Murder. Rape. War. Climate change. Racism. Sexism. Violence. Sexual violence. Homophobic violence. Heterocentrism. Discrimination and abuse against individuals of nonconformist sexuality. Domestic violence. Child abuse. Child rape. Child neglect. Elderly abuse. Verbal abuse. Police brutality. Microaggressions. Ableism. Cyberbullying. Genital mutilation. Ideological extremism. And people just being total fucking assholes. And there that is. WineCellarMedia.com um, I all right, and we have a guest on for this one, which is uh, something we've been doing a lot more often over the past year. And um, uh, this individual I've been interacting with on the Facebook since about 2014, and um, and wow. I don't know what I don't know what you want to go by on the program because I know like there might be pseudonyms, real names. Uh, what do you want to go by? Imani. Yeah. All right, Imani. My name is Catherine Imani. Okay. All right, mm-hmm. Catherine Imani, and you do have a. I I don't know if uh, you have like a blog, a, a website where where you post as well. I think I've seen. Yeah, I have my Patreon, which I post on. So that's Patreon dot com slash Catherine Imani. Okay, so you have. You hear oh, more about me. Okay, you have a Patreon. Like, what 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 do you post there? Like um like articles you write, you uh record. Yeah, so I post articles that I write. I post like laws that I'm working on, um, products, projects that I'm working on. I do a lot of different things, uh, varying from black liberation, writing and theorizing, queer liberation, women issues, queer issues, um, disability, and issues and stuff as a as a person with chronic illness. And then I also um, am delving more deeply into UX and UI design as an engineer. And I talk a lot on there about the relationship between uh, science and technology and how I'm utilizing that to create uh, policies and projects to build like a black liberation future that's, you know, not forcing us to go back to like the 70s and get rid of technology and things. I'm a huge fan of technology person. Okay, this whole time I never even knew that there was a uh, a Patreon, and I, I see you in my Facebook pretty regularly. Um, I, I, I suggest posting it. Uh, post the link. <laughs> I will. I'll post it some more. Okay. I gotta. I just gotta get better at like advertising myself. I guess. Yeah, gun it in. Like I knew when I did this, it's like um, it's because I've always had to have a uh, a second job, but doing the podcast lets me do a second job with some with some ethics. So yeah, I definitely uh, love that. Yeah, always posted uh the links. Yeah, and um I'll definitely I'll find it myself and 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 post the link myself. Like how are you doing that weekly, monthly? I'm doing it monthly and as um as I can. I'm still cause I was I was kind of recovering from an illness which kind of set me back a little bit, but now I'm getting back into it and doing it more fully. 
So I make a habit of writing there at least once a month. Okay, that's dope. That's dope. I could have swore you had another blog. I hope I'm not confusing you with someone else. Did you have like another space where you post content? Yeah, I do have um, a WordPress, but something that I've been focusing on right now is a lot of my work around Girl the Retreat, which is a, a retreat, a luxury retreat space for women and femmes that centers Black women and Black LGBT people um, across body types, across sexualities, and across class statuses. As I've been like recovering from. Um, you know, it was really intense, really major illness. It kind of really reinforced for me how important self-care is and how as black women and femmes, especially, we are denied opportunities and spaces to create a lifestyle that really prioritizes our self-care, right? So as I've been um, healing, I've been focusing a lot on just really creating these spaces for women and femmes of color. So you can find me over there at Girl the Retreat. It's on Facebook, on IG, and at girltheretreat.com. Hmm. So that's super fun. <laughs> yeah. All right. So this is like a like a digital yeah, space. Yeah, th- th- this is fresh. And um what what I recently contacted you about, um, I got the notification that said, um, oh, Catherine um invited you to like this page. And of course, because of capitalism, I'm at work, so I go and like it while I'm on break and then contact you about it, and then we talked a little bit. Is that what this uh, particular page on Facebook is about? Yeah, Girl the Retreat is the, um, Girl the Black Femme Retreat on Facebook is the page, and it's really interesting because, as we know, Facebook isn't necessarily a fan of black people. Hmm. (laughs) It's a nice way to put it, I guess. (laughs) But um, we've been kind of shadow banned a little bit. So we're trying to think of new and creative ways to really just get back on people's radar without having to deal with Facebook stopping us. Man, it's sad. I tell folks um, memes. People love memes. Like I I have a page right now. It has like 89,000 followers because people love memes wow. yeah so it's like mm-hmm. i and the memes they're they're they are of value a lot of them are actually screenshots from twitter which count as memes for some mm-hmm. reason and um and what i'll do like ones that get a lot of traction i'll go ahead and link an episode or um link like the interview that we did with a person who was a victim of a rapist cop and um and stuff like that so that when the memes take off link the the hardcore stuff with it so that folks get that yeah. content that that's how i handle that well that's smart i like that we'll find some cute memes <laughs> yeah and if, and if you do then tag me let me know hey i posted this to this page i need you to boost it and then i'll go and um i'll log into my alt account so that i can boost it to the, the my bigger pages and blow up the spot and basically mm-hmm. you know socialize you know socialize the uh the exposure yeah and i definitely will do the same for you i really do believe in supporting people who support you and i definitely appreciate your support yeah we're gonna yeah we're gonna we're gonna hold it down there's something else that you were doing (laughs) but again like because of i have to run around with wrenches and stuff i miss a lot but like you were doing like like land rights land act initiatives i think 
Yeah, so I also have the Free Land Initiative. It is a think tank whose goal is to create a liberated zone in the Southeast for black people. And our goal is to create essentially an intentional city from the ground up. So we'll be building out our own sewage system, building out our electric grid, building out our healthcare system, building out all these uh, education system, housing, all these things, so that we're then able to provide free housing to people who move to the space, um, ensure they have transit within the space, ensure they're able to access like things outside of the space, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not like a gated, I think it's gated, but like you can come in, you can leave, you can do what you want, but where we're actually able to kind of heal from the day-to-day -day violence of being a black person in America, while also building our education, dealing with some of our health issues and health discrepancies, and then also, you know, building community and being able to leave the city and like do what you want and like travel and things. Something that I actually really care about that, and unfortunately, it started right around um, the time I got really sick, so I had to slow it down a little bit, which was unfortunate. But um, the goal of Free the Land has always been to create that liberated zone. I feel so deeply about that. <laughs> yeah, now, and you said, and you said this is a, like a think tank. Like you have, a, you have some folks involved. I'm getting more folks involved, so I have had some people who are interested, and we've been like visioning around what we can do. I started by creating a framework around it. So we have 13 pillars, basically from uh, water and how we're going to create a water system, security and how we're going to create a security system for the city, what's housing going to look like, is there a particular architectural style, what's um, the electric grid going to look like, what's the best way to power this kind of city. So one of the things that I feel has been a setback when we deal with these liberated zone kind of conversations is that we start from a, the politics of the space instead of starting from like the actual material needs of a space like that. So everything that I do is black as fuck, it's gay as fuck. I don't know if I can swear, so I'm gonna stop swearing. Oh yeah. All yeah, <laughs> but, all, all over here. Like we are this is gonna be episode nine hundred and eighty three and the word fuck has made many appearances. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um but yeah like it's a I I root everything that I do in a very black, very queer, and a very um, intersectional framework. So an expectation that I have whenever anyone is either working on this project or planning to like move into this space is that they agree with that framework. From there, it makes it a little bit easier. I feel like if we start from making sure everyone has housing and deciding what the house is going to look like, that we make sure everyone has electricity, what that's going to look like, that we have a health system that's kind of like able to supplement until folks need more intensive things and they're able to get that access elsewhere. Like, what is that kind of, what, I'm sorry, let me step back a second. Um, how does the mechanics of these kind of detail-oriented things work before we get into the, who's going to be the government, you know? Mm. <laughs> like, I'm not sure if that's the best way to frame it, but um, I want to move away from the political debates and more into like the material needs of the people. 
and that's been my framework since when I was an activist, like more active of an activist in Atlanta, in Massachusetts, and in Birmingham, Alabama. I've been very consistent about starting from a framework of the material conditions of the people and meeting their immediate needs, our immediate needs, I should say. Huh. And I got to tell you, like, if you're worried about, like, if you have a good framework or if it's not the best framework or if it isn't all together, like, keep in mind a bunch of Europeans that, well, we know why they had to make awnings, right? And uh, these folks, the best they could come up with was America. This is the big idea. So whatever you got, (laughs) I'm betting on yours is going to be a bit better. (laughs) It's like, thank you. Definitely appreciate that. Right. Just think, just look at what they've come up with so far. Even when you look at the beginning of when they start flexing some, um, some artistry, some understanding of mechanics and things like that. What did they do? They made torture devices. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. whatever you're going to be doing, you're going to win. I'm on board with it. Thank you. Oh, I love that. Thank you, definitely. Yes, now... But if people want to... Um, if people want to read some more of the work that I have around it, they can go to freethelandinitiative.xyz and I did a, a more of a deep dive into each section with information about how people can get involved. Hmm. And that's... So wait, say, say that link again? Yeah, so it's... FreeTheLandInitiative.xyz. Okay. And they can also like that on Facebook, on IG, all of that. Because I definitely, you know, I'm all I'm a huge fan of getting support for people who match the energy and who understand the vision and who, you know, are passionate about the things that I'm passionate about. Yes, and now so and like so what you've been saying like um earlier like we're about uh, we're about thirteen minutes in now but a, a, a little earlier you were talking about chronic illness and um and and falling ill and um I, Phoenix Kalita is not here right now she she took a run to the grocery store but um yeah like she has the histoplasmosis um she has like uh mm-hmm. like depression and whatnot like chemically. And uh, so she definitely knows about mm-hmm. that. If she was here, she could articulate that with you more. But um, are you all right with sharing, like, um, what, what you had to deal with? Yeah, and actually, I love to talk about it. And I know I <laughs> love to talk about a lot of things. But this is actually something that I think a lot of black people specifically, but a lot of marginalized people in general might want to look out for. So I developed symptoms that align with what's called Cushing syndrome. And unfortunately... Um, I still have not been able to get an official diagnosis, but I've also been able to minimize and actually clear up a lot of my symptoms on my own. Um, that's a good thing about being a scientist, but most of my symptoms started with a, I gained 120 pounds in eight months, and weight gain is not a bad thing. Um, we definitely support and affirm body diversity in all of its facets, but... I also developed uh, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, um, sodium intolerance. I had painful muscle spasm. I had breathing issues. What else do I have? 
I had so many things. It was just terrible. My A1C, my blood, diabetes, all these things at the exact same time. And within eight months, I went from being a very active person. I would go for runs and things like that to someone who struggled going upstairs, not just because of the weight gain, but also because of joint issues, um, osteoarthritis, like so many things. And what I learned is that all of that came from a excess amount of cortisol, which is the stress hormone, right? Cushing syndrome is essentially hypercortisolism caused by a growth or tumor in either your pituitary gland or your, I think it's either in the liver or the brain, one of those two places. And you said cortisol. <laughs> cortisol is a stress fun. hormone? Yeah, cortisol is a stress hormone. And it's a necessary hormone, but for a lot of people, it can move out of whack. And for me, it was extremely out of whack. What I've learned, though, is that for a lot of people, even if you don't necessarily have, like, full-blown Cushing's or your symptoms aren't as, I guess, ex- expressed as mine were, you can still have some of these um, stress-induced sy- symptoms. For example, immune system issues are a side effect as well, right? And even though I'm pretty much clear with pushing, I don't necessarily have any of the expression of it as much anymore. I mean, I still have, you know, some weight I can lose, whatever, but I'm not pressed. <laughs> I do still have some of the immune system issues that were a side effect of that excess cortisol and stress. Um, Ayanna Presley, actually, her, uh, I forget what she has specifically, where she had, where all her hair fell off and she had to cut off her hair. Alopecia. Alopecia. And her example, um, well, for a lot of people who are under extreme stress or who have excess cortisol, their hair can thin and fall out as well. Right. Mm. And so Sometimes the cortisol can create an environment, especially over an extended period of time, where their immune system um, fights like that as well, right? Because those things come from an overactive immune system where your body feels a need to um, fight back against the environment that the excess cortisol can create. I mean, it's different for, for everyone. Like, my experience may not be what someone else may experience, even with Cushing's, but stress is such 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 an important thing that we need to talk with about we need to um deal with we need to minimize and then that's why i created girl the retreat i just wanted to create spaces for um other women and femmes to be able to really sit down and heal because i don't think it's a coincidence that as soon as as soon as i started to relax not only to relax but to um sleep more, to rest more, to be super intentional about caring for myself and being soft with myself and all these other things that my symptoms started to alleviate, especially in addition to the, um, excuse me, in addition to the uh, medical treatments and holistic treatments I was taking. Huh. That's a lot. <laughs> Jeez. Now, now you have me yeah. thinking about alopecia now because, um, like, you said that stress is related to that. 
And now I'm thinking back to my biological sister in the early 90s, really like right around like 1990 when she developed it. But then I'm looking at that time and that's when she was in um, between two specific teachers in elementary school. Uh, Mrs. Hartley and uh, maybe someone from Spanaway, Washington State is tuning in at Camas Prairie Elementary School, Mrs. Hartley and Mr. Finch. Uh, among all of us, which was very few black students, we knew them to be very fucking racist. And um, and now yeah. I'm wondering if being in those racist ass classrooms had a part in developing alopecia for her at that age. It probably did. People, I mean, we need to talk more about the invite, like the impact, the physical on our bodies, impact of racism, of racism, of anti-black of all the other isms together because they do impact us like I was saying like well right now I'm in Alabama and um, I go and I talk a lot with people I still do a lot of community organizing and activism and we'll go in the communities we'll talk to folks and we'll talk about how their health is actually impacted by the environment they live in and oftentimes the racism in their school system the racism in the police system that they're interacting with the environmental pollutions from some of these racist companies, all these things work together to create an environment that's not conducive to their health at all, right? And unfortunately, we have it's a, it's a holistic push that has to happen. We're on every facet for us to really undo some of the damage that's happened. I know for me right now, I have scalp psoriasis, which is the side effects of, well, it's, it's how the immune system issues are expressing right and I actually had to cut off all my hair and I was sad mm. <laughs> about cutting off all my hair again but like um I was able to really it helped me cutting off all my hair and looking at it and deciding I was going to be committed to my health again right was able to help me to continue to be committed to facilitating an environment for myself that was free of those things to the best of my ability right hmm. so i minimize my interaction with white folks wherever possible and i'm real quick to cuss one out or to i don't know like i really haven't seen a white person in a really long time <laughs> oh no i'm gonna have to edit that <laughs> oh my god sorry no it's it's me because i i i, I, I laugh too lar- too loud and i blew up the decibels <laughs> Yeah, because I, I, I know what you're talking about because I'm like that. Because I, I don't think, because um, you know what, I may, maybe we internalize that a bit. Because when I'm interacting with some random white man of whom I did not want to interact with while I'm out about my day and I'm not in the workplace, mm-hmm. um, I don't owe that white man any time. And I'm not cursing him out. I'm not being rude. I'm just saying the word no as a whole sentence yeah. and the as a whole yeah, sentence yeah. part is so important like i i encourage everybody in a public space where there's security and cameras and shit because we know how they are practice saying yep. no to white men and i and like uh, a great example in walmart white man just walked up to me and said uh, hey excuse me could you help with no hey but i was just gonna no <laughs> no Mm-mm. I, I, I don't owe you that. My melanin doesn't owe you this. <laughs> yes. 
my thing right now is like making them pay me for things. Like the times that I do interact with white folks, I'm like, well, I'll do that for $200 or something. Like I had a white person <laughs> who wanted to go to the bathroom or something at the airport and they're like, hey, do you mind if I, I'm like, uh, no. Or maybe for like 250. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, okay. And they took it with them because they're like, I'm not going to pay you. That's fine. And so I don't do things for white people, let alone for free. It works out. On the off chance, I can get paid, which I always love. <laughs> yeah, we have to but, do that. Um, yeah, but just making a habit of like setting boundaries with white folks and then owning that it's okay for me to set that boundary has been so healing. Oh my gosh. When I was in Georgia and I was still doing a lot of work around there before I got sick, I was really, really active in the community and I would interact with people and other white people a lot. And I remember this one um, action we did at Stone Mountain, protesting the Klan. And after, <laughs> as the traumatized black person who was protesting the Klan, like mere miles from the plantation that my, grand- my great-grandfather um, his family came from where we got our last name. I was with these, you know, white people and other people of color, and we got into debate about something. And I was like, you know what? I'm good. I'm not going to argue. You can pay me or you can stop talking to me. And that was literally, it just felt so good. Yeah. We're calm. I mean, we're not, you know, always protesting the Klan, you know? But we're still all in those those kinds of traumatic situations as black people in the U.S., dealing with racism, dealing with sexism, dealing with all these things. And, like, that heightened energy, that heightened fear, the having to second-guess, all these things we have to do as black folks to survive, it does physically impact us, especially that cortisol and adrenaline, right? And we have to, to the best of our ability, create spaces that allow us to say no so i definitely agree i love that (laughs) yeah and thinking more like and see like all the stuff you're saying here and um like yeah it is i'm responsible with and this is something that we always say right in social justice progressive leaning spaces like with my privilege i'm responsible for uh for like platforming someone like you and what you're saying and what you're doing but like i should put context behind it right because like right now in this moment i'm uh 36 years old and i'm pushing 37 come august and um no joke dead serious i've only been sick twice my whole life once 1992 Yeah, and once in 1999, so when I hear about ableism in the context of, like, health and getting sick, I gotta realize I'm way over-the-top cartoonishly privileged, and there's there's even context for the context. I know exactly mm-hmm. where I get it from. My biological father, right now today, my, uh, my spouse, Phoenix Kaliter, she looked him up just a couple days ago and found out that he's still alive in Lakewood, Washington State. And he has mm-hmm. been an AIDS carrier since 1984. Wow. Yeah, AIDS carrier, smoking crack, done heroin, done meth, you know, cigarettes, of course, all, all lots of booze. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's literally still kicking around upright vision doesn't wear glasses drives a car 
and like so i know where i yeah so where i get my able-bodied privilege from it's from right there so yeah when i come across folks that are marginalized in the context of ableism and health i need to be platforming folks well thank you for platforming i definitely appreciate that yeah i do think it's important that we have these conversations a lot yeah and definitely like uh i mean come back hit me up like that's one thing i i should make um i should stress that more is um is folk hit me up if you want to come on you got something to say and you're like hey william come hey throw on the microphone i got something to say it'll take me an hour it'll take me 30 minutes it'll take me 15 minutes i'll plug in the microphone and get it going because like i've brought folks on but i gotta make sure i go back and bring them back because that's something else with marginalized folks is that they are um indoctrinated into thinking that they're a problem you're not a problem here Mm -hmm. you know um i know a a trans woman a trans man's been on the program non-binary folks folks you know what i i should go hit them up after this and remind (laughs) them like yo you come back yo you're not a burden here (laughs) i'll definitely come back i love it i love i love it i love to talk so (laughs) yes indeed um can we get your Patreon again one more time? Yes. So my Patreon is <laughs> patreon.com slash Catherine Amani. And if they want to just send me some money, which I always love, it's paypal.me slash Catherine Amani. Yes, indeed. And Catherine is A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E. And Imani is I, M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, I. So it's super easy. All right. And Phoenix Kalita just got back, so I need to make sure that I get her food up and running. I need to feed this here freckled woman. <laughs> and, uh, and I love it. This was outstanding. Please come back. And um, oh, and if you can, can you send me the links so that when I get this posted uh, tomorrow morning, I can uh, put your links in with the post? Definitely. I'll make sure to get that to you. And so, Phoenix, I say hi right on all right oh she she walked in the room she heard you but she was just like uh what did she put she just handed me this uh surge protector she picked up and and she was like where's where's my sandwich bruh so i need to make that happen all right real men make their wives a sandwich love to see it definitely all right well you have a good rest of your day all right please be safe man Bye. bye 